We welcome you guys to another episode of Fan Response. Happy Tuesday, everyone. So far, well, Freddie can't be joining us today. He is dealing with a hurricane in his area. So, you know, prayers go out to him. It's been a wild 2020. Just hoping for him and his family to be safe, pack safely for provisions and everything. But today on the show, we got um, Gabe Jackson joining us. Gabe actually went to Ohio State with me and Ryan, and he is a big-time Spurs fan, which we will get into later. How's it going, Gabe? It's going good, man. Happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, we got John coming back for us. He really wants to get into it with Ryan when we get into our hot takes. By the way, I got my Chester Cheeto shirt out today. Let me tell you, some of these hot takes, they are so wild. I'm not even sure Chester the Cheeto can handle them. How you doing, John? Yeah, it's going to be hotter than the hottest wings on the menu at Pluckers. And I'm not going to say the name of them because they call them that for a reason. Yep, yep. And then we got my co-host, Ryan. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I cannot wait to get into the hot takes we have for today and just really just have a great slate of topics today. I'm really excited to get into it. Absolutely, man. So the first thing we're going to dive into is our hot takes bracket challenge. So during our hot takes bracket challenge this week, we released the 10 hot takes from the 10 members of MI6 and paired them into matchups. Right now we're on wild card and the second wild card matchup. Yesterday, obviously, Jonathan Mathis advancing over Furman Lee with his hot take about Devin Booker being a top 10 NBA player. Of course, Freddie and Ryan find that ludicrous, and most people who watch a lick of NBA basketball. But that's neither here nor there. Now we're going to get into our two hot takes for today, which are courtesy of Callan McClurg, our host for Wild Sports, and our co-host, Freddie Henderson, on Fan Response. So, the first hot take competing in the wild card matchup two today and playing in for that play-in round, Callum McClurg thinks that Kobe Bryant is a better player all-time than Larry Bird. He cites the reasons as Kobe Bryant has five championships, he had a three-peat, and Larry Bird has never won back-to-back championships. Now, in Bird's defense... He has also had to go up against Magic Johnson, and he never had that big guy Shaq to play with. I know he had great teammates, but he did not have an all-time great center to play with, like Shaq. And then on the other end, we have Freddie Fontana Henderson, who is currently in the lead right now, saying that Aaron Rodgers is the second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. That's right, guys. You didn't hear it in terms of all-time. You didn't hear it in terms of current quarterbacks in terms of legacy. He is saying that right now today, Aaron Rodgers is his second best quarterback in the NFL. So, John, I want to turn to you. Gut reaction, which hot take is worse? The Aaron Rodgers one. How can you say he's his second best quarterback in that league when he didn't even get to the Super Bowl this year? And when it matters, Freddie's going to get mad, but when it matters, what did you do? You and not throw interceptions? (laughs) You had 115 passing yards to the 49ers in the regular season game. When they didn't know what the issue was with them, that's around the similar time with the George Kittle injury next week. And, of course, Joe Staley being out for a couple games. Go to the NFC Championship game. What does he do? You're telling me it's Patrick Mahomes, then Aaron Rodgers? How does that even work? Aaron Rodgers puts up the numbers, but Patrick Mahomes has a much better arm. 
you could say, oh my gosh, gave Aaron Rodgers the weapons. But to a certain extent, what do you call a franchise quarterback when it matters? It's that connection, that in terms of on-the-field connection in in big moments, we I haven't seen that from Devontae Adams or Aaron Rodgers. How can you say – I could list a couple different quarterbacks. What about – oh, let's just say Russell Wilson. You want to talk about, oh, a team has to have an offensive line? Russell Wilson's the top 10 most sacked quarterback since 2016. Zero career MVP votes. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but he's not even he's not top two or even top five. That is the worst of the hot takes. All right, I gotta go to Ryan, who is a big time basketball and football fan. Aaron Rodgers being the second best quarterback in the NFL, or Kobe Bryant being higher than Larry Bird in that GOAT conversation. Yeah, this answer is very, 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 very obvious. And the hotter take by far is Aaron Rodgers being the second best quarterback in the NFL right now. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did Lamar Jackson retire? Did Russell Wilson retire? Did uh, Drew Brees retire? Did uh, Deshaun Watson retire? Did did like nine other quarterbacks retire? Oh, nine quarterbacks in total retire because I have Aaron Rodgers ranked 12th out of the quarterbacks in the NFL. So, of course, wow, I'm going to say brutal. that him being number two is just a wee bit high. Look, his career is fantastic. And for a, a while, he was argued as the most talented quarterback in NFL history before one Patrick Mahomes came along. But if you look at the numbers for this past year, and the NFL is the ultimate what have you done for me lately league, his numbers just went down across the board. And People are like, oh, he doesn't have weapons. Top five offensive line, a number one wide receiver that is top five in the, top five or six in the NFL, Devontae Adams, and a fantastic running game. Those are some amazing weapons that every single quarterback in the league would love. And with that, his numbers just aren't very impressive. I'll get into them a little more when we get into a later segment. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers being the second best quarterback as of this moment in time is absolutely ridiculous. And Freddie, if you're watching, I know you're a fan of Aaron Rodgers. I know he's done some great things in the past, but this is right now. He says, Ryan, oh. be respectful. Well, let me be respectful, Ryan. Number 12, come on, man. We adding hot take after hot take. You are choking out Chester Cheeto right now with the spice. Look, I love it. But Aaron, man, Rodgers may be, Aaron Rodgers may be top 10 all time. He very well could be. But right now, his play has Good declined. Kids. And right now, he is not the second-best quarterback. And I believe he's not even a top-10 quarterback as of this moment in time. So I am respectful to his overall legacy, Freddie. I just don't like how he's playing at this moment in time. If he proves me wrong, I will be the first one to admit it. But as of right now, don't see it happening. Who won MVP? And the quick Kobe thing is, I think for me, it's Kobe. Mentally, he was just mentally tougher overall. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, the live poll will be available in just a few moments here, guys. I am making it as we speak. But now we're going to go to Gabe Jackson, who's a little bit more of a basketball fan than a football fan. In your opinion, which one of these hot takes is worse? Uh, I definitely – I'm going to have to go with the Aaron Rodgers being number two. Before I get into that, I'll say briefly why I think Kobe is better than uh, Larry Bird. 
I mean, both of these guys are champions. Kobe won a, like two more than him. Uh, they both tie. I think they both have two finals MVPs. Uh, Larry Bird probably has two more season MVPs than Kobe. But like looking at it, these guys are both competitive. Like I said, they're both great, you know, great, both great scores. But my edge to Kobe is going to have to be the defense. I feel like Kobe played better defense than um, Larry Bird. He had, I think he had nine first, uh, first all defensive teams compared to Larry Bird's. I don't even, I don't even know how many he had. I think he had zero. Um, I don't know if that was a category back then. Probably was, but so Kobe gets this by defense. Now on to the football. I think saying Aaron Rodgers is number two is just nah. We can't say that. Uh, no, Mahomes is obviously number one. And for number two and number three, I think it's debatable. I think number two would either be Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. It has to be one of those two. I'm personally going to say I'm personally going to say uh, Wilson. Uh, Lamar definitely had more touchdowns than Wilson in that five season 2019. But, you know, Russ, Russ Wilson was just unstoppable that last season. And Aaron Rodgers, I'm not even going to put him at four. I'm still going to put Breeze over him. So on my on, on my current standing, Aaron Rodgers is number five. So that's my mess, even. Yeah, excellent points there. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is top five. None of us have him in the top five. So to put him number two, I think, is – the more ludicrous take. I'd still put in my top 10. Now, if Freddie gets in later, I really want to get into this topic along with the Kirk Cousins topic. But real quickly, guys, I, I do think that Kobe Bryant is better than Larry Bird all time. And I think Larry Bird's impact on basketball is greatly assisted by the fact that there was tape delay before him and Magic really sprouted in the league. Now, if you're talking about like impact on the game and on the publicity of the game, absolutely, there's, you know, um, a great discussion to be made that Larry Bird may have had an even greater impact than Kobe Bryant, right? But if we're just talking about players, Kobe Bryant's faster than Larry Bird. He played better defense than Larry Bird. His his peaks were higher than Bird. He was a better scorer than Bird. The only thing Bird did better than Kobe Bryant was passing. And, of course, you can go into, like, eras and, like, how there's different weightlifting and training regiments. But... Take it as you will. The point is, Kobe Bryant, I have him higher in every category than Larry Bird other than passing, and that's just a fact. All right, now we got Freddie joining our stream here. Freddie, I'm going to give you an opportunity to defend your Aaron Rodgers take because you have Larry Bird – or sorry, you have Aaron Rodgers as your second-best quarterback in the NFL right now. Yo, Ron – Oh, Mr. Kellerman, you guys need to – I'm taking your football cards away from y'all. I'm taking football cards, especially Ryan, for having Aaron Rodgers ranked number 12. I mean, that's just disrespectful. I mean, that is just plain disrespectful. I mean, didn't, didn't I hear you say you had Kirk Cousins ahead of him? Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Didn't, Kirk Cousins is – Aaron Rodgers is above – Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers is not. Ron, Ron, I'm, you, you can no longer talk football, sir. I mean, because obviously you haven't seen Kirk Cousins through his whole career. What have he done in Washington, sir? I mean, that used to be named the Washington Redskins. Now they're called the Washington. It's the football team. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just by the name alone, you got to give Cousins a little bit of pass there. I mean, he's had, what, two good, he's had two seasons with a good team. 
And what has he done? He's done nothing but have a clutch performance against the second best team in the NFC against Drew Brees and the Saints. He shut up all the doubters. And even the game he lost against the Niners, man, dude was running for his life. Okay, so guess what? Well, being a franchise quarterback, he had a good offensive line with Washington. So I don't understand what the logic is there. You win a playoff game, congrats. But last time I checked, we don't hand out participation trophies. Kirk Cousins being top 10. That's like saying Philip Rivers is top 11 or top 12. That is just blasphemous. Well, I'm glad at least you have Kirk Cousins ahead of Philip Rivers. For a second, I thought you put him in number 50 with the way you're speaking, man. No, they're, both, they're both garbage, in my opinion. Oh, garbage. All right. Okay, uh, I'm going to go off this. I'm going to deviate from our schedule. I think we need to make the Kirk Cousins topic the one immediately after this because we need to get into this right now. Yes. And, of course, the Kirk Cousins topic, where would you rank him right now, and what kind of season can we expect from him in 2020? Okay, so I want to go first because I've heard the word trash being thrown to Aaron Rodgers. I've heard it. People say ranking him above Aaron Rodgers as of this moment in time in the ultimate what have you done for me lately league is disrespectful and I need to have my football card taken away. These mm-hmm. are the stats that show that Kurt Cousins as of this moment in time based solely off of last year because this is a what have you done for me lately league. The stats show that Kurt Cousins is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers and other guys like Matt Ryan or who else, whoever else. When compared to Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan, his third down grade, according to Pro Football Focus, is just better. He's ranked seventh. His passer rating when under pressure is better than Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. His passer rating when blitzed is much higher than those two. In the in the red zone, Aaron Rodgers hasn't beat by like 0.1 points. So they're basically identical in that. Oh, and by the way, Kirk Cousins turns the ball over less in the red zone than Aaron Rodgers or has less turnover-worthy plays. So no matter how you look at it, if you look at the more advanced stats, it shows that Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. And also, let's go to the more traditional stats, uh, QBR. In QBR, he's ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And if you want to find where Aaron Rodgers is ranked, you're going to have to scroll down to below a quarterback by the name of Baker Mayfield. That's right. Aaron Rodgers had a lower Ooh. QBR than Baker <laughs> Mayfield. And this is your champion, Freddie. This is the second-best quarterback in the league, a guy who can't even have as good a QBR as Baker Mayfield. Come on, man. Dude, and also, Mark Cousins had a wor- his worst year in passing as a starter, his worst year in passing touchdowns as a starter since 2016. So you can overrate the QBR all you want. You want a single playoff game. Stop it. To say that Aaron Rodgers is better than Kirk Cousins. Maybe I'm Madden if you put it on rookie mode in Madden 21. But um, there- can, I go? Can, I, can I please go? Because, I yeah. mean. Um, yeah, I, go I, ahead, I Freddie. I normally call John, John Kellerman. John, you're no longer Max Kellerman on no, on no show no more. That, that's name going away from you. That's Ryan's nickname now. Because, I mean, you're all over the place, dude. Um. You, yes, you gave a lot of good stats about Kirk Cousins, but do you realize those stats depend on who's around you? Um, isn't um, Kyle Rudolph on the Minnesota Vikings? Isn't Dalvin Cook one of the best 
um, running backs in the game on the Minnesota Vikings. What about Adam Thielen? Is he on there too? Or what about um, uh, what's his name? Um, the other wide receiver they they traded. Uh, forgot his name. I'm sorry. Say it again. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Giggs, what about him? So, I mean, everywhere you looked, that Minnesota team had a lot of weapons. Now, let's look at the Green Bay Packers team. Um, you had Devontae Adams. Yes, he's a good receiver. Then you had, um, um, then you had the running back. Uh, Aaron, uh, there you could, Aaron Jones. But other than that, it's just Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, let's let's pump the brakes. I mean, we've seen Kirk Cousins. What has he done in the last – 10 years. He's been a mediocre quarterback. He's in the same class as Dak Prescott. Um, They're both, they can get to good numbers, but they don't win much. Um, The dude only won one playoff game, like um John said. I mean, let's, let's pump the brakes. And what division is Kirk Cousin in? He's in the same division as Aaron Rodgers. What happened to them getting number one last year? If you don't, the quarterback matter what, um where they rank at? Yes, they do. So, at the end of the day, like I said, Aaron Rodgers have not thrown double-digit interceptions in the last 10 years. He, I mean, for a bad year in Aaron Rodgers, to, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers um, um, to him, a bad year, which was last year to him, he still gave you 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and four interceptions. And that's a bad year. And, by the way, let's not act like – he didn't get a new head coach who didn't deserve to be a coach of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, all of a sudden you can come in with no experience and be a head coach of Aaron Rodgers. So it's, it is be known that it takes a year for a coach to learn, a quarterback to learn under the new coach um, offense. So let's let's pump the brakes. Kirk, I'm not letting you let, give Kirk Cousins a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. I'm not giving you letting you do that at all, sir. Here's the thing, though. You compare the numbers. Kirk Cousins only has like 14 more touchdowns than Rodgers, and that's with Rodgers being out for 10-plus games that year. So if Aaron Rodgers is in that 2017, he would have more TDs. So you can talk about QBR all you want. Oh, say same, same thing about Dak Prescott. But you can, like I said, don't overvalue certain numbers. Kirk Cousins has the weapons and the defense. It is most of the weapons on the defensive side of the ball. For the Packers, they did let him down against the 49ers in the regular season game and in the NFC Championship game. And, and they had a better running back than the Green Bay Packers did. And, John, let's not forget they have a better coach. Let's not act like Zimmerman is just a regular coach in the NFL. He's an elite right. coach. I'll let Ryan respond. Look, QBR was, like, the least important stat. I just threw that out there to show that even, like, the more basic numbers that are being tossed around ESPN show that Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback. The numbers I really value as a quarterback – like I said, our passer rating win under pressure, passer rating win blitz, passer rating in the red zone, turnover-worthy plays in all those areas. And Kirk Cousins is just better in all those key areas than in Aaron Rodgers. And also, you're saying, oh, Aaron Rodgers has, Aaron Rodgers has uh, Devontae Adams and Jones, and that's it. Um, he has the fourth-best pass-blocking offensive line in the NFL. Do we forget that offensive lines are a thing and that they matter? And Rogers' offensive line, as I said, was the fourth best pass blocking. Kurt Cousins, 27th. So you can talk about all these wide receivers, but if you don't have a good offensive line, then it kind of negates it to a certain extent. What about that playoff game? They played pretty well. They what was that? What about that playoff game? If you want to talk, I just don't, how it's so blasphemous when you talk about records and everything. Overall, it's maybe you could say it's pretty much almost the same, but Kurt Cousins. You're going to tell me, based off of all these numbers, 
is that worth the amount of money that they paid him? Would it, if he got paid less, would I say the same? Yes. But in a big moment, let's say a big moment in a playoff game or to cleanse the division, would you want Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers? I would pick Aaron Rodgers, even though I've doggone him so many times. I take Kirk Cousins. I saw that throw to Thielen to win the game against the Saints. I see big moments like that. So let's stop acting like Kirk Cousins isn't capable of those the moments. Year they paid him. They went eight, seven, and one and missed the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, Aaron Rodgers is about to go eight and eight this upcoming year. Also, we eight. can't equate team success to be completely on the quarterback this year. The reason Aaron Rodgers' team did better was because they had a better offensive line, a better defense, and a quarterback. And that's just the facts of it. And also, let's stop acting like Aaron Rodgers has a terrible receiving core. With Devontae Adams and the rest of their guys, Pro Football Focus ranks them 17. Who else? Yeah, that's not great. But when you have the who fourth else, best Ron? offensive who line. Else, You're making it. Ron, I'm who not on Kirk Cousins. Um, Aaron Jones in the, out of the backfield. Uh, Lonzo was doing really good. Yeah, Aaron Jones out of the backfield as a receiver and Lonzo were great. I said, great he's a running back. I said, wide receiver, yeah. he's a running back. Name him wide receiver. Uh, Lonzo, I believe. He did really good in uh, the uh, short amount of time they yeah. gave him looks. Look, just overall, they Stop ranked 17th in wide receivers. I'll go as far as to say that if I was a quarterback, I would rather be in the Packers offense than the Vikings offense. Yes, Yes, uh, Diggs and uh, Thielen are good, what? but you give me more time to pass what? with a great offensive line and a running game that was probably equally as effective as the Vikings. I'll take the I'll take the Packers offense all day long. I'm just saying. Okay, let's let's go to John real quick, and then we'll get me and Gabe's thoughts. Kirk Cousins. I. By the way, John, Matthew is in agreement with you and Freddie. He says Aaron Rodgers 100% of the time. Thank you for tuning in, Matthew. And I just got to remind you guys, Matt is a Vikings fan. Him and I actually went to middle school together. The Vikings, you say – He's a smart man. He beat, <laughs> he beat Drew Brees. Well, so did Case Keenum. So that's not necessarily saying much when Drew Brees chokes in the playoffs, when he's four and six – since that Super Bowl win in 2010. So that's not necessarily a big victory. But Kirk Cousins, when it matters, does not deliver. It's that simple. You have to play against Big If I criticize Aaron Rodgers for that week's schedule, he's going to have to be the, the big teams like Aaron Rodgers. He has to if he wants to be considered a top quarterback. Well, guess what? Maybe on rookie mode he is, but he's not in the NFL. Okay. I will chime in really quickly on this. I think that Aaron Rodgers currently is the better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Yes, he's trending down. Yes, the advanced metrics have Cousins over Rodgers, but I think you're talking about weapons versus targets. I still think targets are a little bit more important in the NFL. You look at Patrick Mahomes. The offensive line actually did not play well in the Super Bowl, and Mahomes was able to get great, great production out of his weapons in Tyreek Hill and then his running backs in as well. So I think targets are still a little bit more important than the offensive line. I understand Rodgers is one of the best offensive lines, but what he is missing in terms of targets and in terms of just having this be his bad year, I'm still taking Rodgers over Cousins. And then one more thing I want to mention to everybody on the panel is 
You look at the Niners and Packers game very recently and the Niners and Vikings games, both of those games, uh, the offenses and the offensive line struggled to block for Cousins and Rodgers. I saw Cousins not really be able to put up much of a fight against the Niners. And then the Rodgers was down three to four touchdowns at halftime, but he sort of clawed his way back into that game and scored a couple of touchdowns to make it a respectable game. Cousins is not able to create as much on the run, create as much in uncertain times and uncertain pressure as Rodgers. That's why I'm taking Rodgers because of the ability to create on offense more than Cousins and because his one bad year was still pretty good. But I want to go to Gabe now. Gabe, Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers, and where would you rank Cousins? All right. Uh, no, I'm going to have to put still Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins. Now, my thing with Kurt is I feel like Kurt is a proven elite quarterback. He might be a quietly elite quarterback. You know, he's putting up numbers. He's performing. Now, we could point out, you know, moments where you feel like he's not, but I definitely think he's there. Um, you know, they beat the Saints last year and lost to the 49ers. And then the year before that, beat the Saints and lost to the Eagles, uh, you know. So think about, you know, the Vikings are always, you know, a deep playoff threat. And I don't see if I where would I rank Cousins right now. I'm gonna put him around 11 or 12. You know, I feel like he should be top 10, but I can't call him a top 10 quarterback right now. I just can't. Uh, I'm at number 10. I got him at number 10. You got him at number 10. Um, yeah. I, I feel like in terms of his potential for growth, I don't see Cousins getting any really better. And if he does, it's a very small, you know, small increase. Um, okay, that's a but, fair point. I think despite, despite you know, Diggs leaving, they just picked up a, a good wide receiver. You know, they still got a good defense. I feel like, you know, the Vikings are still a threat. Um, but, yeah, that's where that's my thoughts on Cousins. You want to talk about no offensive line? Russell Wilson's a top 10 most active quarterback and puts up MVP numbers every single year, so I don't want to hear that right now. Right, but Russell Wilson is a different animal than Aaron Rodgers and Cousins right now. Between Wilson and Cousins, he hasn't had an offensive line. And he's still putting up MVP cowboy like numbers. Marshall Lynch retired. Who was his number one receiver up until DK Metcalf, who he showed up last year? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we got a couple of comments here. I will get to you next, Freddie. But first, um, our Vikings fan tuning in, Matthew says that Aaron Rodgers would win two more Super Bowls if he had a halfway competent defense. Good point, Matthew. But remember, lo- we're looking at today. Who is the better quarterback, Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers? So, of course, guys, leave your thoughts down below. I'm going to go to Freddie for his final thoughts on this topic. You know, it was crazy last night on my show, All Sports, All Plays Network. We was having a discussion about um, who's better, Brady or Rodgers. And I say Rodgers is way better than Brady for one reason. I'm not talking about accomplishments. I'm not talking about none of that. I'm talking about skill for skill. You put Aaron Rodgers on that New England Patriot team that you switched on Brady over to Green Bay. Maybe we don't. We don't. I don't even know if Green Bay would win a Super Bowl. Um, Tom Aaron Rodgers would have won more than six Super Bowls than Tom Brady and and uh, with New England. I mean, they've always made sure he had the line, made sure he had a respectful defense, make sure he had a smart receivers, a tight end, a running back. I mean, this this dude here. Carry and the Green Bay Packers to make them feel like a respectful team. Other than that, they, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers, they would be a a lottery pick team year after year after year after. 
I mean, the team is the team is so disrespectful that they have an elite quarterback. They draft and, and the last ever since Aaron Rodgers been a quarterback, they've never drafted a skilled players in the draft in the first round until this year, and it was a quarterback. That's how disrespectful the Green Bay Packers is. If I was Aaron Rodgers, because because you clearly he's the number two best player and get quarterback in the game. Nobody else is better than him. Nobody have the arm strength. Nobody have the mobility. I mean, if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes, he would be number one. He would be he'd be number one because Aaron Rodgers, like Stephen A. say, he's a bad man. Ooh, okay, what a I want to say up. two quick points before we wrap it up, real quick. Um, one is that yes, didn't draft skill positions, but they draft offensive linemen. And if I was a quarterback, I would want them to draft offensive linemen before wide receiver. And number two, I'm always hearing this: oh, Aaron Rodgers or not Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins can't make big time throws. Kirk Cousins' ranking on third down, his third down grade according to Pro Football Focus, was seventh best in the NFL. One would say third down throws are big-time throws, and he produced at the seventh-best rate in the NFL. And then can't perform the playoff game, game against the Saints. And people want to discount that because now the criteria always has to change just to keep Kirk Cousins down. I saw that throw to Phelan. People say that was wide open, but that was a absolutely clutch throw pinpoint perfect throw with the game on the line to win the game. So I don't want to hear this Kirk Cousins can't produce in big moments. I saw it all throughout this year, and this is what this ranking is on this year. So really, I, I we need to stop this misconception because it's getting as bad as the misconception that LeBron can't close games. There's these misconceptions that no matter what evidence is presented, people always still find a way to – you know, carry them forward, and it just has to stop. Wait, what's his record against winning teams or playoff teams? That's called a losing record. And if a losing record, oh, that's also Aaron Rodgers' record against playoff teams and teams win records. Showing up, what has he done against winning teams? Aaron Rodgers' record versus winning teams is a losing record. Fun fact: almost every quarterback in the NFL has a losing record versus teams with a winning record that year. The only ones that don't are like Tom Brady and Tom Brady, two others I can't remember, and Marcus Mariota. So, yeah, everyone has a losing record against teams with winning percentage during right. that season. But based on his money, he's going to have to win more. It's just not – it's just a fact. Okay. So let's move on to our next topic, guys. And before we move on to our next topic – Here's a game break first. The Nuggets take game five, 117 to 107 to force a game six against the Jazz. They are now down two to three in the series. They cut the 3-1 lead by one game, so one game at a time, Jokic, but not a lot of belief in that organization. And another game break for you guys. With 3-11 left in the first quarter, the Clippers responding up 33-18 to with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both in double figures against the Dallas Mavericks. But let's get into our next topic, guys. And we talk about this big money, right? Dak Prescott actually requesting for $45 million a year. And now Earl Thomas is released after the fighting incident. So the question is, guys, does Dallas give big money to another player not named Dak Prescott? No. I mean, they pay. I personally think Dallas is going. To oh, go ahead. Well, they paid Lawrence. And where did that go? Uh, they've lost their number one corner in Byron Jones 
to Miami. Now, you got to be careful here because you're looking at all these other contracts, and I know the scenarios are different, and the market can change. But you lost against a quarterback with Mono. There is absolutely no excuses. I know we say this every year with Prescott, but literally right now at 8.44, there's no excuses. City Lamb, you got Amara Cooper, who I think was a little bit overpaid. Then, of course, you got um, that third receiver. You got Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Blake Jarwin. That's six, seven weapons you have to produce right now. They've already offered him a contract because as much as I love quarterbacks, when you pay them too much of a certain amount, even if they deserve it, it hurts your team overall. Is that Ezekiel Elliott, I think after this year, his contract goes into effect. Then you got other guys on the defensive side of the ball that need to get paid. So don't just think about Dak Prescott's contract. How does it affect the future team in the next two to five to ten years? Also with the younger guys on defense getting new contracts. Let's go to Ryan. Yeah, my thought yeah, my thoughts on this topic are simply this. There's this there's this idea out there that um Earl Thomas is plays declining, and that was like one of the main reasons they released him. They were quote looking for just any excuse to get out of that big contract or big money contract. But if you look at Pro Football Focus, he was ranked the 12th best safety, and his grade in coverage was top 10. So, yes, is it up to his standards for his prime? No, but he's still a very good safety. So he wasn't released for his play. This just tells me that he must have not been – or what was going on in the locker room, there's just more to it than what we know. That's exactly. the only way that can possibly explain this because he is still a great safety and a safety I would like my Cleveland Browns to go after after we lost our second-round pick to an Achilles tear. And you know those injuries. That can take two years before you're like fully recovered. Oh, so yeah. give Earl Thomas a two-year deal. Let him man the safety position and uh, – just let hit let Grant heal as he needs to. But honestly, I think the Dallas Cowboys would give him big money. Jerry Jones loves to make the uh, splashy move. He loves to get his name in the headlines, and he would do that. I do not doubt it for a second. He will just franchise tag Dak again if need be, but he just wants to make the big splash in free agency and – this is just a opportunity that's calling his name. Earl Thomas has told Dallas to come get him. And there's some reports saying that they won't offer him a contract, but my, my prediction is that they will simply because I think Jerry Jones just really wants to make a big splash to get his name in the headlines. And this would definitely be a way to do that. When you're yeah. that close with your brother, I wouldn't want you on my team. <laughs> Second. Yeah. you punched a teammate and, yeah, you see, sorry, that still blows my mind. And th there has to be other stuff in the locker room. I understand punching your teammate is uncalled for, but they also did the same thing with Juno Smith years ago. Punched him. I'm not sure exactly remember what happened with that. But there has to be more than just him punching a player. Plus, but also when you're that close to you with your brother, I wouldn't want you on my team either. Yeah, yeah. Great points this by both Ryan and John. Yeah, Ryan, real quick. I was about to say, yeah, this idea that he was released solely because of that one punch. Yes, it's not a great thing to do, but fights during training camp happen all the time. And I don't see, pe and I've, I've seen players much worse than Earl Thomas is right now get not get released or even get punished for having fights during a uh, training camp. So 
yeah, there has to be something else going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And let's just, and but this does clarify one thing for us. The Baltimore Ravens are not going to sign Antonio Brown. If they don't want to deal with Earl Thomas, who I haven't heard anything terrible about up until this point, then they're not going to bring Antonio Brown into their locker room with his past. Even if the man has changed, they're not going to take that risk. They've clearly have indicated that with the release of Earl Thomas, they're just, they're just not going to take that chance. If they don't even want to deal with a player like Earl Thomas, who I haven't heard very many bad things about as far as him being like a bad teammate or anything. Yep. Great points, Ryan. And obviously prayers go out to that Browns player draft in the second round, always painful to have your career halted so early. So wish him a speedy recovery and also wish Earl Thomas good luck on the free agency market. But guys, the question being Earl Thomas recently released. Do the Cowboys give a player not named Dak big money? Let's go to no, Gabe. And uh, you know, I think as we all know, the money is there, you know, I, I, I brought out, you know, like again, like at the beginning of the summer, Dak's, you know, contract talk was like one of the biggest stories in the, like in the NFL world. Like, you know, uh, and you know, he is still ongoing, you know, even though I, I thought, I thought it was like, it was done deal now, but I, now I hear that it's still going. Uh, I think if they, they know what good, was good for the organization, they should. And, they, and, and I, and I think they will. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think Earl Thomas still has many prime years left in him. Sorry for cutting you off, John, over there. But, yeah, your thoughts on the situation. First of all, the Cowboys aren't getting him. There's already been a story that says they didn't express as much interest as they people was been reported. So the Cowboys aren't going to get him. He, I think he's going to Cleveland. He's not going to the Cowboys. They had a chance in, what, late 2018 after that drama with Seattle. They had a chance then. They're not going to do it now, especially with this running report. They're not showing interest. I think the Browns will be interesting. I'm not sure who these have at safety after trading. Julius Peppers, even though he's young, maybe hasn't developed. I think it would be the Browns at this point in time. Yeah, very, very fair. I mean, if they didn't go after him now, and now the demand is even lower, and the interest is even lower for Earl Thomas, how can we see him giving them big money now? Let's go to Freddie now. You guys are missing the point, all of you guys. It's the Cowboys. It wouldn't surprise me they paid him. wouldn't surprise me they didn't. I mean, let's look at the Cowboys. They've had talent for the last couple of years. I mean, on the offensive side and the defensive side. You have Dak Prescott, who's your quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott is your running back. You have Amari Cooper over there. You have C.D. Lamb, who they just got. I mean, that's on the offensive end. And then you on the defense, you get Demarcus Lawrence and the boy, Sean Lee, Vanderesh. Um, Bennett, I mean, the team is loaded. I mean, fans, I'm calling out all Cowboy fans. You guys should be tired of giving Jerry Jones your money and not showing pro production. Because, I mean, this is the same franchise who back in the day won five Super Bowls. You should hold your, you should hold yourself to a certain standard. You shouldn't tolerate, tolerate mediocre. And that's all you guys been getting for the last 25, 26 years. Um, give Dak Prescott, I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, sometimes you have to take what is offered because sometimes you might think you work more than you're not. And then on the Earl Thomas, do you really want to bring another guy in Dallas that already have problems? 
I mean, really? I mean, you have plenty of those on your team. We're not sure everybody on that team already will be able to play a full season. So I'm, I'm not sure if Jerry Jones is going to want to waste some money or maybe somebody that's going to mess up where they're going to have to let go, maybe get suspended. We don't know that. So, Cowboys, you need to be very careful about who you bring in. I agree with that, but he's done it before, but I don't think they're going to do it. But sometimes you learn from your mistakes, and hopefully he didn't learn from them. <laughs> Jerry That's Jones point. Learned, might be I don't think so. Waiting to happen. <laughs> it is yeah. waiting to happen. It don't, I mean, it, I mean, it was so bad. I remember a story that I was listening to. They said they had I forgot who the player was. They had a player that went into a department store and stole some cologne and underwear. It's just that bad. Man, so, it's just something about that city about that franchise the accident waiting to happen but i'm gonna go ahead and chime in on this will the cowboys give a player not named dak big money i agree with freddie here i mean i think they will will it be earl thomas i i it's very much up in the air but as this organization is they've always paid skilled positions and they've always paid them heftily and overpaid them so i expect that trend to continue and it just seems like just when they're about to learn from their mistakes, oh, a new shiny object pops up in that market or a new player or commodity pops up and they jump at that opportunity. So I would not be surprised one bit if they gave Earl Thomas that money or another player that money. But I wanted to make a quick point on Dak, guys. And I think Dak Prescott has been hated on so much in this league that he's become kind of underrated to a certain degree. I mean, yeah, he's not able to win a lot of the big games and he struggled – this year, losing to guys like Kirk Cousins, guys like Carson Wentz in key games in the NFC and in his division. But the reality is, in the quarterback market, there's really not much out there. And it's really hard for a team to stumble across a franchise-level quarterback through the draft. Yeah, you can talk about all these draft picks and tanking and everything, but like, how many of these top draft picks we see really pan out to be even as good as Dak Prescott? Not many, man. And, Freddie, I'm going to tell you, Daniel Jones is not going to be better than Dak Prescott. Uh, Josh Rosen, no way, no chance in hell. Sam Darnold, no chance in hell. So, you know, I liken it to the stock market, guys. I mean, there's always going to be an opportunity to time the market, to wait for maybe the player's net value to go down and to not give them that money. But if the Cowboys don't give Dak Prescott this money, it's not really like – stumble across a better solution than Dak Prescott. I mean, this is it for them for the next few years. I don't envision them finding a quarterback in the market better than Dak. And you know what they say about the stock market, guys? Time in the market beats timing in the market. And we see that in Kirk Cousins. The Vikings made an investment. They paid him 28 mil a year. And they extended him for, you know, mid-30s mil per year. And now you look at the market. It has completely exploded. The quarterback money continues to go up and up and up and up. And it's not just for quarterbacks, and it's not just for the NFL. It's all sports. If you don't give your franchise guy money, the money for that market, for that position, is just going to continue to go up and up and up. Yeah, their value might dip for a small moment, but overall, timing in the market beats time, or time in the market beats timing in the market. And that's just plain and simple. It's a lose-lose situation for the Cowboys. It's unfortunate. 
Um, sir, you, you was, um, Stephen, you was absolutely wrong on that statement right there. I can name plenty of quarter young quarterbacks that is better than Dak Prescott. Matter of fact, there's one in his division, and his name, not Carson Wentz. Matter of fact, the Dallas Cowboys will not win the NFC East, and I'm about to make another hot, hot topic. So you might as well get the, the little explosion ready to, um, to go because I'm about to say it. The New, New York Giants will win the NFC East this year. For one reason, when you're talking about a team who does not have a lot of expectations, they normally step up. But when you're talking about a team, the Cowboys, that have had expectations for the last 25 years, they didn't came up short. I mean, you're talking about a franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones might not be the name, the, the big name, but he is a franchise quarterback. You're talking about a dude who had like 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, the only big deal that he had to work need to work on is, is fumbling the football. Then you're talking about the best running back in football in Saquon Barkley. Everybody wants to say Ezekiel Elliott, but um, excuse me, don't the Dallas Cowboys have an elite offensive line? Yes, they do. So we've seen what he could do with a, get a, a good offensive line. We haven't seen what he did against a bad offensive line, but Saquon Barkley, he's like Emmitt Smith and – and I'm Barry Sanders, and they had a baby, and they spit out Saquon Barkley. Have you seen those legs? Have, I mean, that dude is powerful. He is strong. Then you have Evan Ingram, who's arguably can be the best wide receiver, um, best tight end. I mean, the dude is built as a wide receiver, though. Then you have Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard on that end. Then you have brought in Jason Garrett. Um, you brought Jason Garrett over as your offensive coordinator. I'm glad they didn't bring him as a head coach. He's an offensive coordinator. We've seen the Cowboys have a top um, – um, a top offense with, with Jason Garrett, but he's not a good head coach. The New York Giants will be the NFC East championship champions. That about sums up my reaction perfectly to that statement. But my main point, guys, is that That's nice. for a long time, the Cowboys had that guy Tony Romo before Dak Prescott, who was also their franchise guy and didn't quite get it done in key situations. But guess what? In that circumstance, they couldn't find better than Tony Romo. And I'm saying with Dak Prescott, it's the same thing. You can no, try to wait for his values. No, Stephen. You can try. But let me tell you, it's the time in the market that beats timing in the market. Steven, and it's proven Steven. through the Vikings contract. Everyone called Kirk Cousins overpaid. And now look at it. It's a Steven. bargain deal compared to what's out there. There were Steven. so many guys in the 2012 NFL draft. What do you mean there was no quarterback? Steven, you, you're wrong about that, my brother. There, there was better quarterbacks out there. Jerry Jones was just not willing to move from Tony Romo. I mean, this is his step. So this is his son-in-law or something. Were well, they related? I mean, this so bad on Christmas, Thanksgiving, any holiday, Jerry, Tony Romo was at Jerry Jones' house eating dinner. I mean, this dude did not. only reason why Tony Romo had to retire was because of the injury and the Dak had that one spectacular year. If it wasn't for that, they was not moving from Tony Romo. I don't care if Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson came available. They committed to Tom Brady 100 I mean, um, Tony Romo 100%. All right. Any, any final thoughts on this, guys? I Not on this topic, but um... – New York Giants winning the division is definitely a hot take. And it's just it's just not going to happen because they're a very mediocre team at best. Their ceiling this year is 6-10. and 10. 
Seven and nine at the absolute best. The New York Giants ceiling is seven and nine. They have a quarterback who loves to turn over the ball. It's his favorite pastime, basically. His passer grade when blitz isn't great either. Yes, he showed promise in the red zone, ranking fairly high in that, and that definitely is a good sign, but good enough to take this mediocre team to win a division. Yeah, no, that, that's not going to happen. Let me put you to school real quick. Here's the biggest school, and I said this to Freddie last night. Eagles starting right guard, Brandon Brooks, is out for the 2020 season. That being said, you want to talk about quarterbacks not having an offensive line, and he's a rookie last year? Darius Slayton, the fifth-round pick, had almost 800 yards, four-plus TDs. Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator. Evan Ingram could be maybe that extra offensive lineman, be that blocking guy. As much as I can dog on Saquon Barkley, he's a freak. They're saying Daniel Jones, who multiple times last year had two to three games at 300-plus yards with no picks, almost had the rookie passing touchdown record. Like Freddie said, a little bit on the pocket presence and on his fumbling issues. The offensive line is going to play better. I'm not saying they have a top-five defense, but they got some good players on the defensive side of the ball. With that, how can you say that they don't have a 6-10? and 10? What are the Eagles going to do because they don't have – their offensive line is getting – Older. When the offensive line gets older, they don't play as well. I'm going to say they have a chance with the extra wild card spot in the NFC and AFC. They would for sure have a chance. The Eagles, made the, playoffs. the Eagles made the playoffs last year, and they were just grabbing guys from the stadium to be their wide receivers toward the, the end of the year because of injury. You give you give them like actual wide receivers late in the season. And also, yes, I know their star right guard got hurt but they brought back Peters to fill in that role. Not the same. And yes, he is older, but he, but the drop-off won't be as severe as we initially feared. It will be a drop-off, but it won't be like falling off a cliff. So that is still a problem, but it's not one that's going to just completely destroy the team. So Eagles are not going to win the division this year. I think it's going to be the Cowboys simply because no team – has repeated as division champ in that division since like 2004. And I'm not going to go against that now. So simply because of that, the Cowboys are just going to luck their way into it. But, but yeah, Cowboys and Eagles are going to be better than the giants and Washington football team may be better than them by the end of the well, year. Folks, I want to okay. mono or whatever all day to say the Washington football team is going to be better. Who's their starting quarterback? Adrian Preston, as much as I love him, he's getting older. Yes, they got a very great young receiver, but their offensive line is a question. Ron Rivera, how much is he going to be there this year when he's also having his health issues, which needs to be taken care of? To say that, but they don't even have a franchise quarterback yet or the offensive line or much at all, that is just blasphemous. All right, they let's, have uh, a Dwayne Haskins as a uh, franchise quarterback, and let's, uh, let's that defensive off. line is legit. Didn't have an let's arm. leave off. With, let's leave off with Freddie's final thought, and then we will move on to NBA. Um, like I said, the Cowboys can't be trusted. The Eagles, we just seen that story. I mean, they're they're done, and it's so bad. You got a team name, the Washington Football Team. Um, I mean, it's just that bad. I mean, I've never heard of no mess like that. The Washington football team. The, the Like I said, the Giants is a way better team than all of them. The Cowboys, they will fold like cheap tents that they are. Um, 
I mean, it's it just, I mean, so, I mean, it's just horrible. I mean, they're awesome. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. I just, I just hope that, you know, I mean, Cowboy fans, hold your team accountable. It's been 26 years since y'all been relevant. Hold them accountable. This is not why we, we need to stop calling them America's team. We, we, we call them the greatest. We, we call America the greatest country of all time, right? So why are we, why are we represented by a team that's been mediocre for the last 25, 26 years? That's Man, they've I, been in, as ineffective as Congress recently. That's all I got to say about that. But, exactly. hey, Freddie, um, thank you so much for the time today, man. You brought the fire, man. Chester the Cheeto is proud. He is proud, proud. He's looking, you know, blessed. And uh, have a blessed week ahead, as uh, John Kellerman says. Hey, I got one last thing to say. Ron and John, be respectful. Do not be disrespectful. Gabe, watch them. Make sure, make sure they are being respectful <laughs> on this show. <laughs> I got you. I and got I you. would simply say this is 2020, not 2017, in re in reference to Aaron Rodgers. That's all I have to say. All right, y'all have a good night. See you. Hey, out. All right, so thank you, Freddie. The final poll results as far as hot takes challenge. Obviously, you had Kobe Bryant being better than Larry Bird all time, and Aaron Rodgers being the second best quarterback right now. So in that hot takes challenge, Freddie wins 75% of the vote. He wins the vote 12 to 4. So when it comes to the hot takes, he will be moving on to round one. We have finished our two wild card rounds, and we will be seeing Freddie's hot take be debuted in the first round of the hot takes challenge now. So now we're going to move on to basketball segment here. And Gabe is a huge Spurs fan. That's how I've come to know him, man. And he has been loyally on the Spurs side since Ginobili got drafted, since Parker was there, and Tim, Timmy D's early days in San Antonio. But, Gabe, your Spurs missed the playoffs this year. For the first time in 21 years, the Spurs are now out of the playoffs, and you know, it's been a great run with Greg Popovich winning multiple Western Conference Finals, six of them winning five NBA Finals and NBA Championships. Gabe Jackson is putting on the big fundamentals jersey. Oh, man, represent number 21. But I got to ask you, Gabe, favorite memory during the Spurs dynasty, during this incredible run with guys like David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and Leonard? I'm going to say a brief thing real quick on, on the playoff streak. The last time that streak started when Bill Clinton was president. I mean, Bill Clinton was – I mean, not when president, but he was in office <laughs> when that streak started in 1997. I mean, all good things come to an end, and, you know, it's all good. You know, we should be very proud and just know that we're going to start another streak one of these days. So that's what it is. Now, in order for me to give you my favorite Spurs moment, I got to take you back. I got to take you back. And we're going to go to the 2012-2013 NBA Finals. Now, this was a competitive series between the Miami Heat and San Antonio Spurs. And any Spurs fan will never forget this, and any NBA fan will all know about the Ray Allen, Ray Allen Game 6 Street. It hurt. It really hurt, you know. And, you know, we, you know, we went on to, to lose that game, and then we went to lose Game 7, you know, in the, in the Heat 1. 
And that whole after that finals, I was so broken. And I knew any Spurs fan was broken. But there was a sense of like, it was just like there was a chip on our shoulders at this point. And people always have the Spurs out. You know, people always talk about the best teams and best teams. They always leave the Spurs. They don't put any Spurs teams on these lists. I mean, nowadays, oh. someone might put the bubble suns over a Spurs team. That's how ridiculous <laughs> we are nowadays, you know, leaving the Spurs. Now, that 20, uh, 2013, 2014 season, the Spurs fall hard. Beautiful ball movement, you know, what we're known for. And we got back to the NBA Finals through the West. And the West has been a gauntlet for the past, like, so you could say decade or 20 years. You know, it's been a gauntlet for a long time. And we take, you know, from game one of that NBA Finals, it was uh, the famous uh, AC game where the air conditioning unit went out. The Spurs and cheated, Spurs Gabe. And the Spurs <laughs> stadium. They cheated. You know, and that, the form, I mean, the previous season, it was game seven. And the Spurs got the job done in five games, four to one. That's my favorite Spurs moment. To have that determination, to have that mm-hmm. perseverance, to come back from that embarrassing moment that was could have gone into either team. And just to dismantle the same team the following year, that's my moment. Yeah. By the way, guys, I want to go into our final hot takes results again. My apology here. Freddie actually took the vote by a margin of 68 to 32%. So a little bit of disrespect for the Black Mamba, but more disrespect for that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. Next, I want to go to Ryan for, you know, your favorite Spurs memory. And Ryan's been on the other side of kind of the fanhood being a big time LeBron James and Cleveland Cavaliers fan growing up. Yeah. And as you mentioned that my favorite Spurs memory involves the big fundamental. It it was after the 2007 finals where the Spurs swept the Cavaliers, Uh, Tim Duncan and LeBron met afterwards. And uh, Tim Duncan said that LeBron is going to own the league in a couple years and that he thanked him for giving him this year. I just found that moment great for a couple reasons. It basically predicted how great LeBron would be big LeBron fan, by the way, couldn't, you know, pick up on that, but it just shows how great of a guy Tim Duncan was. He was just one of the, not, not only one of the best players we've ever seen in the NBA, but just as like a person, he was also just, it was hilarious whenever, he like made public appearances from his like outfits before games and just his personality in general, really just, really just a joy in all aspects. So honestly, even though the Spurs like swept the Cavs and beat LeBron four to one, I still have to love Tim Duncan and that Spurs team. It's just hard to hate them. You really can't hate them. Absolutely, man. And I think the Spurs really embodied all the right things in terms of basketball fundamentals. And I just put it this way, man. I was looking at a video of Tim Duncan's case for the GOAT, ignored case for greatest of all time. And this guy, he's a great YouTuber. He brings out greatest of all time arguments for many different players. He's done Magic Johnson, LeBron James, and Michael Jordan. So disclaimer, he's not saying that Tim Duncan or LeBron is necessarily the GOAT. But one thing that he said that really resonated with me is that Tim Duncan was the type of guy that when you were watching the game intently, closely, you didn't think that he was dominating the game that much, right? But by the end of the day, when you check the box score, the guy had huge, huge numbers. And I think 
That same sentiment applies to Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker to a lesser degree and also Kawhi Leonard. These are guys that maybe necessarily they're not the type of person that can carry a lottery team to the finals like LeBron, or they might not be as flashy as Steph Curry and the Warriors, but to say that they're just automatically worse is just disqualifying these teams. And that is, brings me to my favorite Spurs memory, and I'm going to have to agree with you here, Gabe, is when the Spurs responded with a resounding 4-1 to win against Miami and LeBron James. That Miami team, according to Vegas odds and a lot of sports pundits, was a pick against the Spurs in that final. It was a 50-50 proposition. And they got absolutely wiped off the floor. I, you can say whatever you want about the AC in game one. That was game one. Game one was game one. But after the first two games, it did not look like a competition. I thought I was watching Ohio State basketball versus Mission San Jose High School basketball out there, man. I mean, they were shooting threes. They were getting open. They are playing beautiful, beautiful ball movement offense and beautiful lockdown defense. I saw a possession. LeBron James got the ball in the post. He got blocked by Tim Duncan, gets the ball back, blocked by Splitter, recovers it again, and blocked by Green. I mean, just the hustle, despite being, you know, out-talented by a very strong Heat team, they blew them off the court. And being a pick against the Heat, people really thought the Heat were going to come in stronger, and the Spurs made sure that that did not happen. And at the end of the game, Popovich said to this Spurs team, I have never been more proud of a team that I've coached before. To be able to come back from that kind of of you know heartbreak to be able to come back the next year and take it to them you guys have shown a lot and 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 the last thing i want to say about this spurs team that was great is man how many different countries were represented by that spurs team you had fans from europe you had you know fans from the virgin islands tim duncan australia and patty mills argentina it was just an amazing conglomeration of basketball fundamentals, team play talent, and brought in the global brand of basketball in the most beautiful manner ever. I would put this 2014 Spurs team over Ryan's 2016 Cavs. I would put them ahead of the 2015 Warriors. And you know what? I'll I'll put them ahead of the Heat teams that won. But they don't get that level of respect. You never see them mentioned in any greatest team of all time conversation. But oh, yeah. I want another thing this... we have to yeah, yeah go ahead. Another thing we ha- you have to really admire about Tim Duncan in particular was this man was an elite defender into his late thirties. LeBron at the age of thirty five is nowhere near the defender he once was. Still pretty good, but not nearly as great a defender as he was in his prime. Tim Duncan, there was not this noticeable drop off. He was still a beast on the defensive end all, all the way up until the age of like thirty eight, thirty nine. It just it encompasses his name, the big fundamental. Just has made it has made it look easy from day one to the last season, man. Yeah, absolutely. He he his game translated just fantastic. Or his game as he like aged, aged like fantastic or aged really well. I say his I say he like aged in terms of like his play is was one of the best cases in the NBA. He just was an elite contributor all the way till he retired. You do not see that very often in any professional sports. 
Now, I, I, I do want to bring up one very interesting question here, um, especially to Gabe and Ryan, because you guys were on opposite ends of this final. So in 2013, the Heat beat the Spurs down 3-2 to two and down five points with 28 seconds left. Obviously, we know what happens. Ray Allen, you know, saved LeBron's legacy, putting that in quotes. And then the Heat go on to win that series. The next year, the Spurs come back and win in five games. They beat very talented teams like the Thunder and the Mavs team with Monte Ellis and Dirk Nowitzki. Now, had the Spurs not blown that game six in 2013, and had they closed that series out, do you guys think they come back in 2014 to win another championship? Or do you believe that the motivation created from blowing a game six and a game seven back to back in 2013 created the necessary elements for the 2014 championship? I, I think about that question all the time. I, I really do. And I, you know what? I'm going to have to say that, like, I definitely think, like, if they would have won, like, you know, closed out on the game seven after game six, that game six shot, you know what? I want to say they'll be back. I, but I'm going to have to say, like, that them losing really was that biggest determination, uh, that biggest push. But the talent, the skill, everything else is, is still there. So I think they would have been back. I think so, too. Um, real quick, Ryan. Um this is the most disciplined basketball team in NBA history. You got to remember that. Very few locker room problems. You had some dirty players like Bruce Bowen and the occasional lazy player like Robert Horry, who Duncan described as literally only caring about games in the playoffs and coasting the regular season, as a matter of factly. But I do think they get back in 2014. However, based on what happened in 2015, where they got knocked out, in game seven against a hobbled Chris Paul as defending champs and didn't look their best throughout that regular season, obviously losing the third seed and dropping all the way down to the sixth seed in the final day to the Pelicans. I can understand where people might say if they don't blow it in 2013, they don't come back as strong in 2014 to win that title. Let's go to Ryan now. Yeah, I'm going to say the Spurs still would have won in 2014. They were too well coached that team was disciplined as Gabe said and uh at the end of the day Dwayne Wade was hurt during the finals that severely limited his output um the team as a whole didn't shoot the ball well those things aren't changing with a uh, motivation for the Spurs or whatever so yeah I'm gonna say Spurs still win 2014 simply because the injury to Dwayne Wade can't change and just the level of play from the Heat can't change. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going Spurs win in 2014, even if they had won in 2013. Yeah, any final thoughts on this game? No, I think summed up pretty well. All right, so with that being said, we are going to move on to the, the team that Gabe's brother actually reps, the Toronto Raptors. And guys, one of our favorites in this network, Isaiah Leung, quote, said this to me after the Raptors won the title and Kawhi Leonard was making his free agency decision. He said, screw the Lakers. I am now a Toronto Raptors fan. The Toronto Raptors are going to repeat back-to-back NBA championships. 
It was such a legendarily bad quote that my dad was memeing it all week, who's also an NBA fan, usually a very calm guy, but that had him hysterical about switching from the Lakers to the Raptors for that week after they won the championship. But guys, now Toronto Raptors are dealing with Kyle Lowry's sprained ankle now. And obviously they're not the same team without Kawhi Leonard and without DeMar DeRozan now. So previewing this Celtics versus Raptors series in round two, who do you guys have as having the edge in this series? I don't know. All right, here's, oh, go ahead, Gabe. All right, I'll, I'll sorry. I'll share where I'll start off at. We got we got to give credit to the Raptors, man. For everyone, a lot of people had them out, you know, thinking they wouldn't encompass the same things, you know, from without Kawhi. But look at this team. I think they just completed their first like franchise sweep with the Nets, and uh, Nick Nurse. I just I think he's like he's just won Coach of the Year. This team is hot, man. They're high. They're like they're, they're they have all the momentum right now, and I, I will definitely put the edge at the moment for the Raptors. But even with that said, I think the Celtics have the matchups. They have a good coach on their team with Brad Stevens. Um, they have you know a few good people on the bench to get the job done. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Um, just the same way it is with the Nuggets and Jazz right now. I think it's any anybody's series. I think it's anybody's series with the Celtics and Raptors. But I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get the edge to the Celtics, and we can get back to that in a bit. Let's go to Ryan. Let me just say this: I think throughout the entirety of the playoffs, this will be the closest and the best series we will see throughout the playoffs. That's including if we get a Clippers, Lakers, Western Conference Finals, a Bucks, Raptors, or Bucks, Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and whatever finals matchup you can possibly set up. I think this will be the closest and the best series. There is no way this series does not go to seven games. These two teams are so closely matched. It's it's insane. The Raptors have a Kyle Lowry, although he's slightly hurt at the moment. We hope he's healthy so we can get the best series we possibly can. Fred Van Fleek is an amazing contributor off the bench. Pascal Siakam, Ibaka, Marcus Gasol, and then a bunch of key role players. The Raptors are a very, very good team and going up and, and very deep. But then you're going up against the Celtics, who also have a very deep rotation. They got Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, uh, Brown, uh, or yeah, Brown, and then coming off the bench. Let's hope he's healthy because again, I want the best matchup possible. Gorn Hayward, who's also a very good contributor. So these two teams are so closely matched up. I am going to give the slight edge to the Celtics simply because I think they have the best player in the series in uh, Jason Tatham, although Pascal Siakam is very close to him in terms of an overall player. He is really good, and he's very underrated in terms of just how much exposure he gets, but... I'm going to go Celtics in seven because I do like Brad Stevens more than Nick Nursix or, or whatever his last name is, Nick even Nurse. though he Nick nurse. Yes. Thank you. I do like Brad Stevens more than Nick nurse, even though Nick nurse just won coach the year. And uh, like I said, I think the Celtics just have slightly more talent and in a series that close, 
give me the, the better the team with a better coach and the team with slightly more talent is probably going to win. So I'll take the Celtics, although this is basically a, a coin flip. It could go either way. And I am, I'm just excited for this series. This is, this is one of the series you cannot miss a game because I think it's going to be that good. This is the closest matchup we can possibly get in terms of the two teams' skill sets. So, yeah, I'm just excited for this series. This is going to be a good one. Game seven, it will go to game seven. That is what I can guarantee. This is going to be a close series. Now, I'm going to actually offer another hot take for Chester Cheeto to feed on, guys. And I hate to be the bad guy in the room here, or rather in the video conference, but I'm going to have to go with the Celtics in five for the simple reason that the Celtics, as it is, already have a better squad than the Raptors. They have more weapons. Kemba Walker is having an amazing year playing team basketball. He's always managed to carry the Hornets to great, uh, to above average and above expectations. Now he has the weapons in Tatum and Brown to work with. I think the Celtics dominate this series as it was. I already had them in seven games, but now Kyle Lowry dealing with the sprain. If he can't, if he's not good to go in games one and two, the Celtics will clear, will quickly take a two zero lead and they will capitalize on his absence and on their talent advantage. And this is a disciplined Celtics team. This is a new look Celtics. They're playing great under Stevens. We saw that, you know, the Kyrie Irving performance from last year's playoffs was more of a one-off thing. Now that they got the toxic guy off their team, now that they got their team working on all cylinders in terms of chemistry, I just don't see how this series could go even six or seven games with Kyle Lowry dealing with that ankle sprain. Because even if he comes back, he's not coming back 100%. And even with Kyle Lowry, Boston's the more talented team disrespectful just absolutely disrespectful acting like the raptors have no one on their team even even though they didn't have kyle lowry they got fred van fleek as the starting point guard pascal siakam and then their centers are much better than the celtic center they have a decisive edge at center with marcus saw and uh um ibaka versus um enos Cantor and the Thielen or or not Thielen. I can't think of his like name right now. T-H-E-I-S. Yeah, something like that. Daniel Tice. Yes, thank you. So the Raptors have a decisive edge at uh, center. Power forward with a Tatum if they play him there versus Pascal Siakam. I said Tatum's a slightly better player, but that could also just be – you could also see that as like a wash, like dead even. And honestly, these, these teams are so closely – matched up in terms of talent. So I don't I, I don't understand this idea that Lowry the Celtics healthy, are yes. – Even without Kyle Lowry healthy, they will for sure go to six games. If he were to miss the whole series, they go to six games. And also the Celtics don't have oh, Gordon on, Hayward. Man. So the Celtics yep, aren't even yep, at full no strength Hayward. right now. So. This is what Gordon Hayward is in the league right now. <laughs> Yeah, he's not the player he wants, but he's a valuable bench player. Okay, the most valuable bench player. I would still take Lou Williams over him and Montrez Harrell. 
Oh, no, no, I didn't say most. I said he is a valuable bench player. Not most, but a valuable oh, okay. player Sorry, coming yeah. off the bench. You strike me as one of those people that think that Kawhi Leonard carried the Raptors to a championship last year. Based on what you said about the Raptors, this is the impression I'm getting. That's exactly what he did. He no, no, he didn't because you look at that team and what they've done without him. This is a very good team. I don't understand why people won't give the Raptors credit. I won't, They're not going to win a championship. I don't think they're talented enough to do that. But then again, I don't think the Celtics are either. The Bucs are going to win the East. I mean, that's a foregone conclusion in my mind. But in terms of this series, these two teams are so closely matched. To say it's going to go, it's going to be over in five games. It's over in five games, Ryan. Oh, that is that is just disrespectful. Like, why can't you just look at this Raptors team, just see how talented they are? They don't have this all-time flashy superstar on their roster, but they are a very deep and very talented and very disciplined team, very good defensively, and that can serve you well in these playoffs. So, yeah, this is going to seven games. Don't People out there, don't listen to Steven. Don't. Don't take your eyes off this series because you think it's going to be five games. This is going to be a good series. I can guarantee that. That's my reactions to that, man. We can all go on at the end of the day. Use of that. That is not that is not a hot take in order to, you know, take in order to show that. Come on. And you know I had to show it one time in the episode, man. So, eh, fair enough. See, Stephen, I have one thing to say about this series in closing. So something. So as I said, you know, as I said earlier, this is going to be anybody's series. It's going to be one of the closest matchups we've seen thus far. You know, something to keep an eye out though that could really affect this series. Um, earlier today. Um, the Raptors were talking about boycotting game one uh, of, of the matchup due to a, a, a shooting that occurred in Wisconsin, police shooting. So I know there's a lot of frustration and emotions going um, in and off the court right now. So that could hinder the series in some way. I don't know how that would really work in boycotting. I don't know what that would look like in game one. Would that be a forfeit or would they both like you both like postpone the game? So that's just something that's happening off the court that could greatly affect this series. Yeah, and thank you so much for that contribution, Gabe. I also heard of this news, and prayers go out to that man and his family in Wisconsin who was so brutally and unfairly murdered by the police officers over there. Um, so I think definitely, I think he's in. Um, I think he's in critical condition. I'm he's not in sure. Critical condition or stable, yes. one of those. But I don't think yeah, he's critical. He, yeah. Critical condition. So prayers go out to that man and his family, you know, undeservingly shot seven times. The police officer who did that, we absolutely do not contone his actions. And I think he needs to face harsh punishment. So we will see how that affects this series. And as far as uh, Gabe and Ryan are concerned, this series is going to seven games. I think it's over in five. But obviously with uh, the situation up in the air, I will respect whatever decision these NBA players choose to make because it is becoming an increasingly more and more problematic issue how the police are treating black men and women in this country. 
So with that being said, we will move on to our final segment of the day. And Ryan, I know you're going to have a wild, wild time and fun time with this topic right here. But the Sixers have officially had their process put on notice and postponed with the Celtics taking the series in four games against the Sixers, sweeping Embiid in the Sixers. Simmons was unable to play a single minute because of injuries. But, guys, I think this is a nail in the coffin of the pro- for the process as it is because of how dominated they got by the Celtics. I mean, if they had forced a game six or a game seven, I think we'd be having a different discussion here. But Simmons or not, and we know how effective Simmons is in the playoffs, they really needed to go more than four games in this series. They preferably needed to get to six or seven games against the Celtics. And now Brett Brown is fired. The Sixers are in potentially a massive overhaul ahead of them. So the question for you guys is, between Simmons and Embiid, who do you think is more likely to be traded? And what are some potential landing spots for those guys? First of all, before we get into this, let me just say this. The process is over. The process has shown to be a complete and other failure. It's just it's just awful. And the process, I associate the process with failure because you've had um, amazing draft picks, but in like your first three years, you got Embiid, Okafort, and no- Noel. You missed on two of those guys those top picks and you missed badly. Also you drafted a center all three years. So even if all three were like superstars, you drafted the same position three years with a high draft pick. That is just a failure in and of itself. And also the one you hit on uh, Joel Embiid, the, the main either can't stay healthy or just doesn't give you valuable production late in games in playoffs. Cause he's always tired. So that's a failure. Also your number one draft pick uh, Ben Simmons or no one drafting a couple years later, Ben Simmons. Yeah, the man refuses to shoot the three-point shot. During the regular season, I think he only had like three or four more attempts than me. And I'm sitting on my butt watching the games, and he's in there playing good minutes in almost every single game. So that's that's just sad. And people are like, oh, he's going to move to power forward. Yeah, power forwards are expected to shoot threes in today's NBA. So, you know, he can be as good as... He can be very good on the defensive end, and he is a very good passer. But if you cannot shoot in today's league, you're going to you're going to not you're not going to do very well. And also, his skill set as far as a score in general just isn't great. It's not like he's a gifted driver to the basket like LeBron James. He's very meh in that. So, your two star players that you got out of the process don't work well together. Although there was a glimmer of hope. You had you got Jimmy Butler in a trade. You got J.J. Redick through free agency. And you had a good team that took the Raptors to seven games last year. You had a good team. You lucked your way into getting a good trade for Jimmy Butler and signing J.J. Redick in free agency. So despite all your failures throughout the process, you had a good team. And you blew it. You let Jimmy Butler go, and instead you got Al Horford for over $100 million. And the man just has shown he doesn't fit well with the team. And the only reason you got him is because your star player, Joel Embiid, gets hurt so much that you had to invest $100 million into his potential backup just in case he gets hurt in a key moment in a season. So that's a failure right there. Also, 
Tobias Harris, I believe his name is. Tobias Harris, yes. you gave him $100 million as well. He is not worth $100 million. You would have been better off on a sign and trade, get some, get a couple cheaper pieces than than that. So, so yeah, really just failure after failure after failure. And people are like, oh, well, they can just build around Joel Embiid and Simmons. Oh, they can't. They have four players making over $100 million throughout their contracts. You aren't getting any key pieces in free agency. This is your team. This is what you're stuck with. And you have a sixth seed that's going to get swept out of the first round every year. And you're posing the question, will uh, Simmons or Embiid get traded? Neither of them will get traded because the 76ers, the process got to their head. Now they're like, oh, we're, we're almost done. We just need to get these couple extra pieces. We just need to get a couple shooters around him. No, you are very, very far away, and you basically need to restart. Try the process again, except don't make it a big old spectacle, and you know, actually hit on more than maybe one or two of your top five draft picks, and don't draft the same position in three consecutive top five picks. Just, just a couple suggestions. So yeah, on so to answer your question, will Simmons or Embiid get traded? I don't think either will, but if one were to get traded, it would be Ben Simmons because Embiid's at least a top five center in this league when he's at his best. But Joel, but uh, Ben Simmons at his best is just met on the offensive end and decent on the defensive end. So. It's, it's Ben Simmons if one gets traded, but neither will because the 76ers are full of themselves. They're one of the most arrogant franchises in the NBA. They love to hype themselves up and think they're so good, but their team for the last eight years, or however long the process has been going, has just been defined by screw-ups and failures. And the one time you had something that could have been a solid contending team going forward you let that slip through your fingers and you just dismantled it for a completely atrocious replacement in that in that being Al Horford for Jimmy Butler and just not really having any not really having a bench of any kind so yeah just 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 a just a failure of a franchise in my opinion. And yes, I don't like the 76ers, which, which is saying a lot because I love the city of Philadelphia. That's where my mother was from. And I'm a, I'm a small fan of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So if I can be a fan of the Eagles, but I can, but I hate the 76ers, that just shows you how annoying they are as a franchise. So, so yeah, honestly, I don't care. Keep them both. They're going to be a six seed to five seed in the East and just get bounced out of the first round going forward or trade one or both and restart the process. But then they'll be annoying for another eight years. They can do what they want. I don't really care. Okay. Yeah. And I think all of us here are in agreement that the Sixers process is not working out well. They retained the wrong free agents, paid way too much money. Quick game break here, guys. The Clippers lead the Mavericks 76 to 52 at halftime. So as much of, you know, hala and big points were made about the Clippers being in trouble, they are responding in this key moment in game five with a 24-point advantage at halftime. I don't envision them blowing this lead, guys. But now I want to go to Gabe. Gabe, who do you think is more likely to be traded, Simmons or Embiid? And 
where would they be traded to? All right, I'm going to say a quick thing real quick. I mean, we'll first. So as we see, as we said, the Sixers are trusting the process of elimination, you know. Uh, <laughs> things they're doing is not working out. Brett Brown just got fired, to my knowledge. Uh, he just got fired. And Elton Brand in the front office of the Sixers have, you know, they haven't been doing what they need to do. Um, like we said, terrible contracts like Tobias Harris, Al Horford, letting guys like Jimmy go, um, letting – uh, Reddit, you know, letting more shooters on our court go, you know, has really hurt them. Now, you know, they just got the team just got swept. When we look at the situation, you you can like you can't like I said, you can't blame Embiid for that. He's probably at like like twenty five percent of the, all of that, or maybe you know, but not more than that. Um, if you're looking at whether you want to trade Embiid or Simmons, though. I mean, they're both star. I mean, they're both like, but like upcoming stars. You know, they both they're both very talented. Um, they're both injury prone though, so you're taking a risk with either guy. Um, now, I mean, clearly, like Ryan said, like you know, Embiid's you know is the I think Embiid is a better player. You know, you can probably get more from him on the trade. So if they were to trade one of the two, I think they would trade Embiid. Um, possible locations where he could go. Um, that's a hard question, but I, I'll give you I'll give you two though. Um, I think in the East, I think a team that's doing well right now, either way, is the Heat. I think maybe Embiid could complement Bam, um, uh, the power forward on the Heat with and Butler Butler. I think he could complement them well. I don't know what they will give up, but if we want to go more into, I seen I seen this on I seen this one online. I think they were talking about um, maybe they could you could get Embiid to the Warriors. And how would that go about? I've I seen it involve possibly trading uh, for that draft position, that draft pick. I think the Warriors just re- recently got in the lottery um, and probably dishing out Wiggins on that Warriors team. I don't even know why Wiggins is on the Warriors or why that, how that even all happened. So <laughs> that's, my, uh, that's my take. So going with possibly Embiid here, um, as far as trade destinations, I do think – if it's up to the Sixers, no question they would rather trade Simmons. <clears throat> but it's always a two-way deal in the NBA in any professional league in that it's about what other teams are going to give up for your player, if anything at all. And right now, Simmons is not exactly a hot commodity within the NBA. This is no secret to anyone, and the process is a big, big-time failure. Part of the reason why, guys is because Simmons can't even stay healthy, let alone shoot threes properly. So in a three-point heavy and available heavy availability-heavy league, Simmons is fulfilling none of those things. So while I think the Sixers would more likely want to trade Simmons than Embiid, I think based on what the market is saying out there, Embiid is the one who is more likely going to be traded. You've seen... One part of the exodus already happened. Brett Brown is out of there. Jimmy Butler left last year. J.J. Reddick's out of there. And now I think we're going to see a movement with Embiid in possibly the next 10 to 12 months here. And I think Embiid to the Warriors is something that is becoming more and more of a possibility. Before, when you're talking about the Warriors, what kind of assets do they have? They didn't have too many assets to give up after KD got injured and left and Clay was recovering from his own injury at that time in 2019. But now after having an all-time bad season, the Warriors sit with the number two pick, Andrew Wiggins, 
And Freddie chiming in, Simmons got to go. Absolutely. I agree with that. And they also have, you know, other assets that they can give up in terms of young players like, you know, Jordan Bell or Pascal, Eric Pascal. I think the Warriors are sitting well for a possible deal with the Sixers. And if if I were to predict this thing, I think Embiid gets traded to the Warriors within the next year. That's what I truly believe. And, you know, draft capital is becoming a bigger and bigger thing in the NBA. Bottom line is this, guys. Two reasons why the process didn't work. Simmons didn't work. And the second thing is Simmons, I get it. His game is not shooting threes. His game is not, you know, pulling up from half court like a Steph Curry or Trey Young. His game is highly predicated on all the other things he does besides avoiding taking threes. But the reality is it's a bad fit. Embiid is a player who thrives heavily in the post and is ball dominant. Simmons is a player who needs the ball in his hands all the time and can't shoot threes. When you combine that with Horford, who's also a post-up player, you're just not having much space out there on the in the paint and in the perimeter. It's a bad fit. Somebody's got to go. Brett Brown's already gone, and Embiid is next because he is the one with the trade capital. I have to say this before we uh, wrap up. If the 76ers give up Joel Embiid and all they get is the second round or the second pick in a draft with no real consensus on who the best player is and uh, Andrew Wiggins and that ridiculous contract and a couple young players that you listed, if that's all they get, that'd be the biggest failure of the process. That is nowhere near enough draft or nowhere near enough to get uh, Joel Embiid. That would be laughable. That it's just not enough. Yes, second second pick in the draft in some years might get it done, but this year when there's no like real consensus on like who like the best players are, and in a draft where like the fifth to eighth pick may be just as good as the second or third pick, I don't know that would, that would be a failure. I don't want it to happen because it benefits the Warriors and I don't like them, but I would love to laugh at the 76ers if they made a deal that horrendously bad i would just love to laugh at them so we'll see by the way guys the poll results showing here when it comes to who will win the series between the celtics and raptors 100 percent vote the celtics and who is more likely to be traded between simmons or Embiid? we got a 50 50 split over here but now i want to turn to gabe gabe any final thoughts on this topic Uh, I, th- I think we did. Uh, I think we did a great job discussion. Um, I think we're just gonna have to wait and see, man. We're gonna have to wait and see, guys. And that leaves us with final thoughts, guys. Um, I want to thank John Alcorn and Freddie Henderson coming on to bring the fire on these topics today and in the show. And I especially want to thank Gabe for taking time out of his day to come talk Spurs basketball and some football with us. Gabe, any final thoughts? I would like to say uh, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Ryan, for the uh, great discussion we had today. Uh, my favorite discussion today was definitely the Aaron Rodgers quarterback <laughs> one. That was beyond uh, some good takes. Um, and Stephen, thank you for uh, just taking time to uplift that social awareness of what's going on in the world. Yeah, I absolutely, that. man. And we we need to have more and more social awareness in these times. It's tough times with COVID and with what's happening with police brutality. It just cannot be emphasized enough. And whatever decision these players make, um, we want to thank them for what they've provided 
the NBA, what they provided their communities, and respectfully agree with any decision that they make and support it. Ryan, final thoughts for tonight's program. Yeah, um, if if they do a boycott the game one or even the whole series if they want to, people, please don't get mad at them. Like, really, it's their decision. So if there's, like, anger that comes from this, it's really misplaced if it's put on the players. I just say if they want to boycott the game, I'd be more than willing to support them, and it's their decision. And I just really hope there's not a ton of anger from the fan base or the NBA fan base, if that does happen, I just, I just really hope that's not the case. And it, it may not be, but I just, I don't know. I really hope that's not the case because if they want to, if they want to protest by boycotting the game, they have more than, more than enough right to do so. Yeah. If, and when these players decide to boycott the NBA playoff game between the Celtics and Raptors or any other playoff games for that matter, we definitely respect them and best wishes to all of the people handling the crisis so far. Best wishes to that family who is dealing with that falling out and the man who is right now um, in better condition. So with that being said, guys, we're going to wrap up here and let you guys in the audience enjoy your Tuesday evening. Thank you guys for tuning in and we will be heading out of here, guys. Good night, everyone. Good night. Have a good night, y'all.